Good morning. When it comes to measuring math and numbers, I'm pretty useless. When numbers become part of a conversation, I usually mentally check out as my eyes roll to the back of my head. And when it comes to measuring things, I usually say something like, it's a couple of lines less than a quarter of an inch. <laughs> measuring math and numbers are not my strong suit. And when it comes to quantifying and gauging God's grace, I am no better. Learning about God's grace has been an ongoing journey. I was born in Columbus, Ohio into an army family. My parents did not attend church, but God in his grace put people in my path who took me to base chapels and Sunday school. My assessment of God at that time was that he was bigger than me and distant. I was born again in Colorado Springs when I was in the ninth grade when a pastor explained to me God's plan of salvation. And though I didn't fully understand all that the gospel entailed, I knew that when I responded in faith to what I did understand, it was at that time God the Son in the person of his Holy Spirit entered my life, just as I am. I learned about God's grace during seasons of drifting and failure. God wouldn't let me forget him. I marveled at the fact that God still cared for me and wanted me back despite my unfaithfulness. During those seasons of drifting and return, I began to understand that the key to my spiritual growth rested in knowing God's word. And God put a hunger for his word into my spirit. And in and out of years, God led me to the ministry of Bible study fellowship and eventually to teach his word. Through Bible study, God revealed the riches of his gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. And though I was learning all that Christ accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection, though every Bible story revealed God's grace, my relationship with God was one of works, one of checks and balances. Prayer, service, obedience became ways to measure my approval rating with God and insurance to gain God's blessing and answers to prayer. And to make things more complex, the closer I drew to God in Bible study, the more I saw my sin. I had a hard time liking myself. How could God possibly like me? Grace seemed to be for some other people. And I wasn't really aware that I had this mindset until a pastor asked in a sermon, would you describe your relationship with God as one of teeth-gritting discipleship? And then he asked, when God looks at you, is he smiling or frowning? I struggled to believe that God could actually be smiling at me. Truth be told, he was glowering at me with heavy sighs. And I remember the first time I heard someone say that Christians need to believe the gospel every day, not just one time. Wait a minute, what? And that began a journey where I began to see how I had made God in my own image, demanding, exacting perfection. And when I wasn't, God was irritated at me. God had saved me by grace, but now I was trying to earn his blessing. What did I believe about the gospel? I'm learning that God's love for me doesn't ebb and flow according to what I do or don't do. I'm learning that I can't gain more of God's love because his love for me operates at maximum level 24-7. I'm learning to believe that God is generous with his grace, no matter what my situation may be or how I got myself there. 
In November of last year, before the calendar changed to December, I knew two things. I knew no more than two things, but I knew two things. Um, we would be traveling to New England uh, to spend Christmas with family, and that my blood pressure meds needed to be refilled before we left. But I had no refills left, which meant that I had to schedule an appointment with my doctor. And my spiritual gift is procrastination. I figure <laughs> it has to be because I do it so well, almost effortlessly. Um, and because it is, I called TRICARE five days before our departure date. The next available appointment was January 15th. I had enough meds to last until December 24th. And as I made phone calls and explained my situation, I learned that I might be able to get seven days worth of meds without seeing my doctor. Call this number, it will take two duty days to fill, not counting today or Monday. That's the military. Our departure day was Wednesday morning. So I made plans to go to the pharmacy on Tuesday afternoon and plead my case and prayed that somehow some meds would be there. Seven pills would be good, 22 would be even better. 22 would get me to January 15th. And all of this didn't help my blood pressure. Um, <laughs> I know that my procrastination had gotten me into this dilemma, but I prayed for God's grace and power and provision. On Tuesday afternoon, when I went to the pharmacy, my name was in the computer, always a good sign. And when I received the meds, there weren't seven pills or 22, but 90 plus a refill, essentially 180 pills. And I was overwhelmed with relief and joy and amazement, thankful for God's grace to me. But that's not the end of the story. Then we went to the Fort Eustis Exchange to pick up some supplies. At the checkout, the cashier was painfully slow, at least from Valerie's perspective. I inwardly fumed with criticism and judgment. And when it was finally my turn, I was pleasant and conversational, and as I picked up my bags, I happened to glance at the cashier's name tag. Her name was Grace. Well, that little episode taught me several things, but I'll only mention two. One, it revealed my low expectation of God's grace. At the pharmacy of God's grace for my failure and weakness and sin, I'm bargaining with God. God, can you spare me seven pills? 22 would be great. Then I'll get my act together. But God showers me with 180 pills and says, go and enjoy Christmas with your family. And two, God lavishes his grace on me even though he knows my heart. I'm the one who is miserly in extending God's grace to others. I didn't earn God's grace or deserve it, nor was I worthy of God's grace and yet he still chose to be generous with me. While the lessons of grace are ongoing, when I pray that things will go smoothly and they don't, rather than believe it's because something that I did or didn't do, the lesson of grace says, there's more happening here than you can see. When the task before me is greater than my abilities, rather than act like woman with hair on fire, the lesson of grace says, leave room for God's glory. His strength is made perfect in weakness. When my flesh has gotten me into yet another dilemma, rather than wallow in self-condemnation, the lesson of grace says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet Isaiah asks, 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? When it comes to using earthly instruments to measure the things that I can see, I am so inaccurate. What makes me think that I can measure God's love and grace to me? The challenge before me is to not measure God's love and approval by my performance and rule following. The challenge before me is to believe that the God whose power exceeds that of tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes, the God who created the Grand Canyon, the Rocky Mountains, and the galaxies and all of their vast array, is the God who planned and delivered a gospel of grace that is as powerful and immense and majestic as he himself is. The challenge before me is to believe that this gospel doesn't just get me into paradise, incredible as that may be, but to believe that in this gospel, I will find God's immeasurable grace to carry me and sustain me through this life, not somehow, but triumphantly. And I know that the faith to believe that will be by God's grace. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Thank you.